Let's fly together, fly together, fly together. You can be my love, sweet love. I know your pretty feathers, it don't matter the weather. Cause you and me together, we'll fly, 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 fly forever. Let's fly together, fly together, fly together. You can be my love, sweet love. I know your pretty feathers, it don't matter the weather. Cause you and me together, we'll fly. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 61, Swim Bros Podcast. I am Grant House, your founder and host of the Swim Bros Podcast today. Kyle House is across the country in spirit with us and in great spirit with us today as we have an amazing guest and one of my favorite people in the sport of swimming uh, to this to this day can can guarantee that one. And uh, someone who spent a little bit of time out in Tempe for about a week, uh, made a, a celeb appearance, a guest guest appearance out there, and uh, really admire that as a coach to to take the time to learn and see a different thing, uh, different different flavor of swimming, and and really to increase his awareness and ability as a coach. He spent some time up at Wisconsin, as we uh, recently just found out with Matt Matty Martins on one of our recent episodes. If you haven't listened to it, check it out. But I'm here with Trevor Maida, a.k.a. Trev Dog, and he is now the new assistant coach at the University of Louisville. So, Trevor, thank you so much for joining us. I'm really excited to talk. You know, Grant, Grant thanks for having me. Uh, when you reached out, I was really excited. I think uh, at one point you reached out and I was still kind of moving, so I was trying to figure out some, uh, some timing. This, this turnaround kind of happened pretty quick and uh, getting the house out here and figuring out what we were going to do with my fiance and the dogs and everything, but excited now to be able to make it work. And uh, I appreciate that, that great intro. Uh, you know, I think, I think the first time we met was when I came out uh, for that week, right? Yeah. That might've been our first interaction. Uh, and then I did, I did listen to your episode with Matt. So that, uh, that, that was a, a, seemed to me like it was a good one. So I enjoyed that. Um, not only for the personal rub that I got going on in the middle of it there, but you know, Matt's a good friend and, and it's a, uh, you know, obviously the, the change is good, right? It's, it's inevitable in, in life and in professions and loved my time at Wisconsin, but it is uh, time to do something new is my, I guess we're rolling into week four of being in Louisville. So four years in Wisconsin, four years in Louisville, good time to get a, on a podcast and talk about all of that, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, no better time than right now. And that's, I think that's the testament for anyone listening to the podcast is no better time to get on the Swim Bros podcast, to leave a five-star review, and to get excited about it. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your mother about it. Everyone. I think everyone needs to know about it. And so I'm glad that you took the time to get it, get here. Uh, when I reached out to Matt, I definitely had the idea of having both you and, and Matt was like, hey, like, I can't like really say for reasons why, but Trevor might need a couple weeks. So I was like, ah, I didn't know what was going on. But dude, when I saw that you were joining Louisville, I mean, I sent you a, a text. And same with Reed. I sent you a text and I was like, dude, these, these kids, the, the swimmers at UofL have no idea how much better they're going to get now. It's, it's, I mean, they're already fast to begin with, but uh, I was super excited to see you move on to a, another level and, and, and into another realm that you were excited to go into. And it's, it was really neat to see that. So congratulations on that hire and the transition there. You know, I, you said week four, I'm in week three of my season. So kind of mimicking there. We had, um, I heard you had the, the doggos to, to travel with you. So my brother has a great day, and I know that's a that's quite the hassle to transport, whether it's small, big, or large, uh, whatever it is. But that's uh, you're 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 moving a team. You're moving a team. Yeah, it was. Uh, so we have two two uh, mutts, right? And one's ninety pounds, and the other one's about 
45, 50. So, but she's crazy and the big one can relax. So uh, oddly enough, the little one is more of a hassle on the move than the big one, but, but yeah, man, it's, it's been awesome. And, and obviously, you know, with Reed here now, I mean, the staff as a whole, before I even walked in, I was like, you know, I've always viewed this place. Ironically, you know, it was not always a, a destination, right? Um, you know, Arthur's coming up on 20, 21 seasons and what wow. he's been able to do in his time here and take the program from where it was to where it is. Uh, it's insane. Uh, you know, from bottom of Conference USA 20 years ago to now, a couple of years ago, winning an ACC title. I mean, the women just finished fourth in NCAAs. The men have had multiple top five finishes. You know, we were out on my pool deck before when we started, and it, the walls are just filled with national champions. You know, Joe Aldeluca in 2012, and then you got, uh, you know, obviously Kelsey uh, Worrell, uh, former, former Worrell, Dahlia now, uh, mm. you know, the relay in 2014, Mallory Comerford, right? I mean, you just got these names on the wall that are just national champion. Boom, 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 boom. Uh, so to come from bottom of Conference USA to one of the best teams in the country, all under one head coach is pretty insane. So it's always been a destination in my mind. Granted, I'm a little bit younger, um, but uh, seeing that program move up over the past 20 years has been awesome. And, you know, something that my fiance would ask, you know, where do you want to work? Right. You know, she was she's amazing. She has adjusted to the life of being a, a swim coach's uh, a significant other, but uh, was not her kind of background. So, you know, she said, oh, well, would you want to work at this school or that school? Right. And, and UofL has always been on that list places I would love to see myself get the opportunity to work at. Um, so the staff is amazing, right? Steph Junker is one of the best coaches in the world. Uh, I wouldn't, you know, she is honestly, I wouldn't even say underrated because I think everybody talks about how great she is, at least within the coaching community. Uh, you know, she's going to Pan Am's on Team USA in, in a month from now. So she's amazing at her job. Uh, great person, fun to be around. Uh, I kind of already touched on Arthur. You know, he is one of the best coaches the sport has ever seen, period. Uh, and, you know, we got Nick Zorn here, who is, is an awesome guy. Nick's actually I've been friends with Nick for a while uh, back when he was at Florida State. So that was kind of a little bit of a, not, not a comfort, but a little bit of, a, OK, I'm going to have at least one friend when I walk in the door and, and kind of know somebody. So and Nick is Nick is the ultimate hype man. And, you know, he's one of the best international recruiters, I think, out there. You know, before I started working here, um, I always gave myself like a pat on the back if I could find a guy that Nick didn't follow on Instagram. Uh, internationally before him i was kind of like okay i got i got a head start on nick so it's uh, you know he's, he's a great dude and you touched on reed he's amazing at his job and uh, oddly enough reed and i have kind of circled the the coaching world kind of knowing each other touching back and forth overlapping here and there and having you know people in, in common in our lives um, and we're finally working together so it's it's an awesome experience as well yeah that's uh quite quite the thorough layout uh, i appreciate that a lot i mean as as I was raising uh, into into the college realms uh, into college recruiting, U uh, of was one of the ones that I looked at. Obviously, very close to home, about a two-hour trip, um, if that, maybe with bad traffic. Um, but it was definitely a spot that I was looking at, and uh, especially with you and Reed there now, I I would echo echo the sentiment to other recruits looking at a place to get better and improve. Uh, check out U of L, definitely, and uh, like you said, a testament, as, especially as someone who. Myself went on to the challenge of, you know, improving a team, improving a program um, and, and really uplifting a university as much as possible. Um, just so much respect for Arthur and what he did with the with the program, especially, you know, bringing now like two of his own kids along on the journey too. 
um, through it. Nick now graduated in Brazil um, into an exciting chapter of his life um, as well. And then Gabby um, got to be on Team USA doing the pool with uh, with G. And uh, so it was awesome. Awesome to be out there, get to know her and uh, to see her doing incredible things uh, out there as well, too. But Arthur, you know, like, I mean, I, I saw how I felt how ta we were just talking before we hopped on. I felt how taxing it was on me personally. Um, just all the energy, just six years uh, took on me and then not really taking, I'd say, the necessary um, steps away, uh, enough time away, a, a break for per se before the summer season or at any point really once that chapter closed. But uh, it was it took me a whole like summer almost to get get my feedback under on on me. So I, I think like the Arthur's stamina, the stamina alone is just such an underrated aspect um, for what he said, you know, with with Steph as well. Um, only only have great things to say about her. Love every interaction I have with her on the pool deck. And, you know, with Arthur, it's just like that stamina to go 21 years of, you know, taking taking something from from the rock bottom and, and raising it up year after year. And I'm sure it wasn't always a, a linear line by any means. Yeah. And, uh, and just to take it to where it is now is such a testament to his resiliency, persistence, discipline, but also just the raw stamina um, that he has to, to pursue a level of excellence that wasn't always there. Definitely, uh, definitely a good environment that you guys are going around and read. Um, I'm going to have to have you, have you get on read. I, I texted him. He was, he was all about it. Um, he's, he's ghosting me. So read when you're listening to this, text me back. Uh, we're going to get him on the podcast. He's going to be on here. So whether he, he likes it or not, I might have Trevor drag him onto this, but, um, we're going to get read on here. And I was excited to have him. I've actually met him. Uh, it was basically like he and I, I forget what mean. I think it was an indie, but we would always be eating breakfast together and like near each other, not with yeah. each other. But I was like, okay, this guy's definitely a swim coach. I don't know. Like, what it is and then i'd see like the the clothes like alabama the backpack i was like okay like get this dude and then i like saw the storm like it was like with one or two swimmers that's it and so finally like kind of broke the barrier of like hey like i'm grand <laughs> like hey reed and then I, I basically like saw him at every meet after that in usa swimming i was like okay so this isn't just a one-off like club coach or something i was like yeah like i, I kind of stayed in touch and um fortunately like befriended a lot of other swimmers like Kenzie Mack and Charlie Hawk. Um, so two great swimmers that he, he uh, helped improve, helped coach along the, along the way. So really, uh, really neat to see his career take off and how diligent he at least seems. Um, I'm not there every day, um, but I assume it's, it's a daily, daily aspect for him, but how the excellence he pursues ex exudes on the pool deck um at meets so definitely definitely another good add-on for L. yeah you know reed is uh like i said we've the short synopsis of how reed and i know each other so uh one of my best friends swam at uh, notre dame with reed uh in their undergrad so we kind of loosely had a connection there and then reed was at uh, iu volunteering the year before i got there so then we had another little connection of people who knew people. And then obviously, uh, you know, he went down to Alabama. I went to Wisconsin through connections with Coley Stickles and, and different people who went down to Bama with the pros and things like that. 
got to know him even more and then just bumping into him over and over again. So he's always been a guy that's, you know, shooting a text, seeing how he's doing and things like that. And then grabbing coffee at a meet here and there. And, you know, but he's, he's a consummate professional, right? Like he is, that is to the T Reed is, is a professional at this and doesn't mean that he doesn't love to have fun. And we're still joking around and having a blast on deck, but you know, he's, he's great at what he does for, you know, for a lot of reasons. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I think that's a good, segue um we gotta we gotta get the listeners to get to know trev dog Meta. um we gotta we gotta get to know, let them get the get to know him other than we've you know recovered a lot of this stop of uofl um but let's kind of backtrack it a little bit um let's rewind like let's give the listeners the uh the front row seat uh the vip access into what your journey has has looked like if it was also athletics um like where you came from where you grew up what got you into coaching and uh, just really take the mic and, and take the driver's seat of, of getting to this point now to where you're at. Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's not a I don't think it's a super long story. Right. Um, but, you know, I grew up on Long Island, uh, lost all my New York mannerisms since it hasn't really been my my home for the past eight years, basically. But I grew up on Long Island was swimming, running, playing a couple of different sports. Uh, my dad was a gym teacher and a, and a coach in our in our high school. So got to have him coach me through my cross country and track career. Um, he would probably argue that I was better at running than I was at swimming, but didn't, uh, I didn't really take to it. Uh, and then went on to school uh, at the University of St. Bonaventure, or St. Bonaventure University in upstate New York, uh, which Sounds like it's close to home, but it is not. Uh, on a good day, it's six, seven hours. On a bad day, it's ten-hour drive, depending on the traffic in New York City. So, definitely stayed in 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 state, but felt far from home. So it's on the border of Pennsylvania and, and New York, all the way west. Uh, swam there my freshman year for a little bit. Ended up getting hurt. Uh, ended up having some some issues with my back, which basically ended my career. I tried to swim a little bit more in my sophomore year. It, didn't really take, uh, was looking to transfer to some slower schools closer to home, closer to the doctors down by New York City. Uh, and our head coach offered me the opportunity to be a, a student coach, a volunteer coach. And, you know, we were single gender at the time. So we only had the men and one coach. So it was a real opportunity to, you know, learn a little bit trial by fire, but also have, I still think to this day, uh, one of the best coaches I've ever shared a pool deck with and Sean McNamee. Uh, at St. Bonaventure, great mentor, great friend now. Uh, from there, I had the the great opportunity. He, he gave me the advice of going and doing some camps. And uh, I still remember the day I was on deck coaching. I'd only been coaching for a couple of months at that point. I was like, hey, do you think I should like sign up for these camps? I see like all these ads on Swim Swim. And he's like, do you want to do this as a job? And I was like, yeah. He's like, well, don't be an idiot and go do camps. So young coaches out there, you need a way to you know, I won't say get your name out there, but just kind of make connections, right? And, and you know, get to know people. I think the biggest thing, like coaches love to talk about swimming, right? That's, we're all obsessed with this. So going and going to camps and, you know, I kind of give that advice to a lot of people, but I say with the caveat of, you know, don't go to a camp and just do what they ask you to do, right? You're not really going to stand out. You're not going to make a connection with these college coaches if you just go to a camp and you are just, you know, clocking in and, and taking a paycheck. You know, when I went out to uh, 
Texas A&M for camps that summer and then went straight to the University of Michigan. So I did, I think, four weeks straight that summer, uh, went home for a couple of weeks and then came out for the back two weeks of the University of Michigan swim camp in the middle of the summer. Uh, and I had a pretty good lifeguarding job in the Hamptons at that time. So it was a pay cut relatively to go do that. Um, but got to meet some amazing people that are still people in, in my camp in my corner to this day. Um, Jason, Jason from Texas A&M is, is an awesome dude. He's a guy you got to get on the podcast. He's okay. He's a character um, in the best way possible. Uh, and he was really my first kind of opened my eyes to what high level swimming was for the first time. Right. And, you know, St. Bonaventure, small mid-major in upstate New York. We were great for the Atlantic 10, but kind of going out to A&M and seeing what he was doing with Jay and the crew there was, was an awesome experience. And then really someone that I've told her this before, uh, you know, she uh, actually brought this up to her when I was kind of starting to, to entertain the Louisville opportunity that, you know, I don't think I could thank uh, Christy Blager, now Christy King, um, enough. She was at the University of Michigan uh, when I did the camps there. I did something right to, to get her to like me and, and think that I was going to maybe be half decent at this job. And, uh, you know, she's actually the reason she ended up going back to her alma mater and is now the associate head coach at Wisconsin. And when I was coming out of my volunteer year at IU, I asked her for some help with some interviews here and there, and there had been an opening at Wisconsin, and she put my name forward to Yuri, and, you know, that ended up transitioning into a job from there, but uh, getting a little bit ahead of myself, but Christy knows how much I appreciate her and the help she's uh, been to me throughout this whole path, but, um, you know, went to those camps, got to meet some great people, uh, got to see high-level swimming, you know, hands-on, on deck, going to, you know, going to the college practices, then going to the camp, then going to the college practice during the lunch break, then going back to camp, right? And then doing it all again for four weeks in a row. Um, and then I went back my senior year, uh, was working with the distance guys, had a much better season that year uh, as a coach and as a team, at least within that group. Uh, and then got the crazy opportunity for a guy from Long Island that didn't have a college coaching or college swimming career to get to go volunteer at IU. Uh, and that kind of, you know, Ray Luz is obviously, you know, this is without saying one of the best coaches of sports ever seen. Um, but Ray took a chance on some random guy from Long Island who didn't even get to swim in college. And was like, hey, come on out and let's see what you can do. And uh, that, you know, I was fortunate enough to work with some amazing athletes and some amazing coaches, you know, Coley Stickles, Mike Westfall, Kirk Grant, Caitlin Hamilton, Ray Luz. I mean, just you know, superstars in, in the profession and, and um, fortunate to still stay in contact with a lot of those people uh, to this day. And from there, you know, we won both Big Ten titles on the men's and women's side that year. Um, we placed third at NCAAs, I believe, for the second time on the men's side. And I believe we were eighth on the women's side. So that was an amazing experience. Uh, and, you know, the, the volunteering role that is, is not there anymore, I think is a great opportunity for people to just show like, hey, you know, how hungry they are, how much, how hard they're willing to work uh, for free, right? That was uh, a year where I did, um, you know, I didn't do the conventional thing where some people pick up club jobs while they're volunteering. I kind of wanted to make sure that I was putting, like treating my volunteer job like it was a full-time job. Uh, that probably wasn't uh, necessarily financially the best move. Uh, I was living in a basement with a bunch of strangers for a couple hundred, I think five, six hundred bucks a month. And, 
you know, I would do odd jobs. I was charging bird scooters out of my pickup truck. I was picking up random jobs on Craigslist, moving stuff, cutting down. As long as a tree was small enough, I could try and help cut it down. Right. I did not have the, uh, the, the confidence, anything that was going near the house. I wasn't going to touch that. Um, you know, also I picked up, uh, you know, just all these weird jobs just to make enough money to, uh, to pay rent and a lot of peanut butter and jellies and canned chicken were, uh, were the diet oh, yeah. that year. Uh, and it was awesome. It was a great experience. I wouldn't, wouldn't trade anything for it. Um, so, you know, volunteering that year ended and, you know, Ray said it was time to, you know, go try and find a job. And, you know, it was, uh, it was not easy. You know, some jobs came around, got some offers that I wasn't necessarily super high on and, and knew that they just kind of a, you know, almost kind of like the college decision where you're looking for the right place. Right. Um, and as the kind of ebbs and flows of the, uh, the hiring season goes, there was a dry spell and uh, all those first uh, departures were filled and hired and didn't have anything on the horizon and, you know, ran out of money. Basically, was fortunate enough to live in my I was bouncing around from friends places. There was a good stretch where I was just living in my truck. And I would just, you know, pay for overnight parking at garages. And I had my mattress in the truck bed and I would just go lie down there. That's where I slept that night. Or I would go to, you know, a gym and shower and things like that. And, you know, had some friends that would let me leave some things in their house. So that was nice. Didn't have to have all of my stuff in my truck, but it was a lot in there. Uh, you know, and, and uh, there was a stretch there where my now fiance and I started to get a little bit more serious in our dating. So I was able to kind of stay at her place for a little bit. Uh, got the interview at Wisconsin, was super stoked. And, you know, the normal flow, it's kind of like a week goes by, haven't heard from them, getting kind of nervous, right? My, I think I had $24 to my name and uh, I was lacing up my boots actually to go get a pizza delivery job. So it was like, I, I need money. And, um, and Yuri called me on the way out. I was literally walking out the door being like, all right, well, I still want to chase this coaching dream, but I'm like, I got to do something for fun. So I'm going to go pick up this and see what we can do living in Indianapolis. And I got the call that on literally, I don't even think I walked out of the, the apartment. I think I was tying my shoes and my phone phone rang and he's like, you know, offered me the job. And he's like, I, he's like, when can you start? And I'm like, tomorrow. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, let's relax. And I, <laughs> he was like, we haven't talked about salary or anything. And I was like, you're paying me and that's enough. Right. Uh, so, you know, jumped on that and, and four years there with another amazing staff and, and great people. You know, Yuri Sugiyama is is just, you know, I think some people, I, I wouldn't say underrated, right? I think, again, you know, in the swimming community, everybody knows how amazing Yuri is. I think he's one of the most humble guys uh, out there. When I was recruiting at Wisconsin, it was a lot of like, like, telling people how amazing Yuri is, right? And, and Yuri's just kind of there like, hey, how you doing, right? Not a, not a big bragger of his own, right? Uh, but he is amazing the, the four years of getting to work with him and learn from him and, and and get to, you know, call him a friend is something that I'll definitely cherish and touched on Christy King, another amazing woman in the sport that's just, you know, she's killing it, rocking, rocking uh, the, was it's her own beat, right? Beats her own drum, I think is the expression, right? Yeah. And, uh, Jenna Haney is also another one that I think she's, you know, she's uh, one of the great young female coaches out there that she is going to just continue to do great things. I mean, that Wisconsin team and the recruiting on the women's side, 100% what Jenna's been able to do is amazing. Um, and then my first three years, we had uh, Eric Posgay was there. Uh, and Eric is um, obviously Eric and Bob are very close. So I know you've uh, had your fair yeah. share of interactions with Posgay. Uh, big E, big E. Another guy you got to get on the 
the podcast is I call him bros gay and he gets upset about it. So <laughs> that'll have to be his intro one day on the, on the swim bros podcast is Eric bros gay, but um, an amazing, amazing coach, right? I mean, his accolades speak for themselves, but also just an amazing person. You know, I, I always told him probably not as often as I should, but I was like the fact that he can, work as hard as he does and put in the work that he has and then also go home. And I see Stevie, his wife posting things of him in like a tutu with his girls and just being the best dad out there. Right. That was always, always impressive to me that, you know, cause he, I mean, the guy put in so much work and it was a lot of times a competition between me, him and Yuri on who's going to get to the pool first. Right. And nine times out of 10, Eric was there before us, but um, you know, just, just an amazing guy, great friend, glad to have him in my corner. And then, uh, you know, fortunate enough this past year to have Matt Martinez be with us on staff. So that was uh, an awesome experience. Got to loosely know Matt over the years, another guy that was weird kind of overlaps here and there and, and listen, I listened to the episode. So I won't go too far down the rabbit hole as you guys kind of already covered how we knew each other, but uh, another guy, I mean, you know, I drink a lot of coffee and I chew a lot of gum and I think that guy beats me in both. Right? <laughs> so the energy is just through the roof with him. So that's the, uh, I think the long, long story short of, of my, you know, path to get to this point is I've just been fortunate enough to surround myself with great people. Uh, and I think those people have helped me get to where I am today and, and uh, you know, teach me a lot of lessons, but also I think it's at least in my opinion, none of those people have done it like in a condescending way. Right. It's not like, all right, young fella, come on over here. Right. No, it's just hanging out, whether it's, you know, at somebody's house or grabbing dinner or whatever it is, you know, it's just been opportunity, opportunity, opportunity after opportunity of just great people helping me out. That's awesome. That's awesome. I appreciate you taking us through that, that whole journey. I, I mean, I learned a lot there. Um, I, I mean, I got a couple of questions to unpack there. Uh, <laughs> Of one, first and foremost, what was it a, a main a mainline like mainstream pizza com- com- company you were gonna go work for? Or was it like it was uh, it was Goodfellas, so they have okay. some chains, right? It okay. was, uh, and being from New York, I'm pretty picky on my pizza, yeah. right? Wow, I will say right. that that is outside of New York, as as far as chains go, it's 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 one of the better ones. I'll, I'll give it that. Okay, all right, all right, good to know. Good plug for Goodfellas. Yeah. Um, another listening on their on their delivery. So this is a yeah. great great podcast to listen to for them um what uh what, what's your favorite pizza oh dude it, the only way that you measure a pizza is you get a regular cheese pizza from a place and you figure out if they're good at making pizza or not and that's it you know you can toppings like i do i like i like um buffalo chicken buff chick pizzas probably like when i know that they're actually good at making pizza that'd be my go-to when i'm on long island that's my go-to uh but in general when you're at a new place you got to get a regular cheese pizza and see if they can actually make pizza Gotcha. And is, is it, is it actually the water that makes the difference? That's my understanding. I've never actually worked in a pizzeria, so I don't know, but at least as far as I know, man, it's not uh, you know, every other place it's like uh, they're trying, right. And if it was just the way of baking it right. Or the oven or this or that, I feel like someone would have figured it out. Right. Yeah. You know, we had, um, I can't, can't remember the name of it. But we had pizza the other week here in Louisville and, you know, it was, it was one of the better New York style pizzas outside of New York that I've had, but you know, my fiance is sitting there like, well, what, what's, what's wrong with it? I'm like, well, you know, the crust isn't exactly right. And the, the, the grease isn't the right proportions and things like that. So, but there are, you know, it's, it's one of those things too, where it's like, if someone puts Domino's in front of me, I'm not going to say no, right. I'm still yeah. going to eat it. It's pizza, but definitely not going to call it great. Yeah. Yeah. Too much flop. Not enough, not enough crunch. Get it. We get it. 
We're you're you're a you're a pizza sommelier, a connoisseur. <laughs> uh, we get it. We get it. Gotta gotta get the the bar stool guy out here and uh, link link me up with him, and then we can kind of see who's got a better opinion of pizza. Yeah, yeah. One we'll just have to start like two bites. Everyone knows the rules, right. or something like that. Yeah. Just uh, it's a it's a good a good. I like your I like your rationale behind it. You know, I I have to try at least one piece of pizza, and then I'll have more. But it's a, it's a good way to have two pieces of pizza. I, I like I like your <laughs> logic good there. Application to just keep eating too much pizza. Yeah, absolutely. Are we uh, are we putting pineapple on pizza? No, that doesn't that doesn't belong there. Doesn't okay. Belong. All right. All right. Fair enough. Well, we're gonna get into a couple like rapid fire questions here. Um, short answer uh, doesn't have to be overcomplicated. We already got some pizza stuff, so we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna dive right in. Um, Go for it. Favorite celebrity? Oh, Robert Downey Jr. Love, nice. love some RDJ. What is your favorite sport? Basketball. Basketball. College or NBA? NBA. New York Knicks. Oh, that's a tough one. <laughs> Big triangle hey, offense guy. Past, past couple of years, we've been fine, right? You know, but Poor, two, what are your two out of the past three playoffs, so I'll take it. Okay. Thoughts on Porzingis? Oh, no. Oh, I'll never um, come back to, to New York. All right. I think that, that I think that's a hundred percent agreement by everyone there. Uh, favorite, favorite exercise to do bench press. Everybody who knows me is bench press. So I guess you'll be, I already know the answer to this one. Upper, lower, upper, upper. barbell or dumbbell barbell incline or flat flat. Wow. Wow. The standard. The golden standard is the flat bench. He's just a good old home cooking boy right here. That's the move, man. Uh, favorite pool you've ever been to? That's a good one. Yuri and I have talked about that a couple of times. Um, I personally, I love the the Irvine pool. I think out in, you know, the outdoor pool there, it's maybe a little bit of like, to me, just the sentiment of that was the first big meet that I'd really gone to. I was, uh, it was my summer showed up at IU. Uh, we went to IUPUI, did some pro swim series meets, but then that summer nationals, they were selecting um, Pan Am or uh, Pan Packs and the world's team for the following year. So that was my first big meet uh, as a coach. And I just love that place. I think it's an awesome facility. So that's always going to be my number one. Heck yeah. Awesome. Uh what what would be your go-to karaoke song? Ooh. Go-to karaoke is going to be uh, Build Me Up Buttercup. It's wow. one that I probably know all the words. So that's uh, – I'm terrible at singing, right? But if uh, – that or Higher by Creed. And those who know, know. Okay. This this podcast just got like two levels better just by mentioning Creed. Um, <laughs> there we go. That's – I mean – with arms wide open, I I want that I want that starting my day every day. I want that to be the anthem of my of my life, basically. You know, I will say Creed. Unfortunately, fortunately and unfortunately, right? I feel like a lot of their songs sound exactly the same, but they're all they're good, man. They're like I think if you just play through their playlist, it's almost like did they change songs yet? But but they are good. They're all their hits, man. It's just kind of all sounds the same. They know they know it works. They know what the people yeah. want, and they 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 give it to them. They give it. They to have them. their template, and they just they just keep popping out bangers. So. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, favorite movie. Favorite movie. Oh man, that's a hard one, right? Depends on what you're kind of doing, but uh, you know, probably gonna go with. Um, God, I gotta go with The Godfather. Gotta go with The Godfather. 
right? Okay. It's, you know, it's kind of, it's not a everyday one, right? It's a long one, you know, but it's just, that's a masterpiece, right? If there's one that it's like, you can't argue with it, gotta go the Godfather, right? If we're going for like a short watch, right? You know, love me some Talladega Nights. That there is, we go. It's amazing. There we go. Gotta, gotta enjoy some Ricky Bobby for sure. Always. Uh, and then last one, uh, favorite TV show currently or ever? Currently or ever. Um, and currently we're rewatching uh, New Girl, which I was very against originally. Uh, you know, my fiance was like, we got to wish watch the show. And I was like, no, this is stupid. Uh, so currently we're rewatching that for the second time. But man, overall, I, Rick and Morty is awesome. I gotta wow. say, Rick and Morty is that is uh, that is top tier television for anyone who hasn't seen that. I know it's a cartoon, but give it a shot. It's it's got some deep concepts there, man. Good show. Dang, really, really hit both ends of the spectrum there. But those are great choices. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a big New Girl fan. Uh, huge huge coach and Schmidt guy, and uh, love some love some Rick and Morty too. So great, two great selections there. Two great selections. Um, awesome. Well, those those were awesome. I uh, hope we got a little bit. A much better feel for who uh, who Trev Dog is now, and uh, I kind of want to go back to a couple of different points in the journey and the process for you, and uh, you know, starting from when I first met you, it doesn't go necessarily chronologically, um, but what was one of the biggest things that you wanted to gain by coming out to ASU um, and and you know spending time with us? I mean, pretty much at that point, it was just Herbie's practices, I, I think, because the other group was up at Colorado Springs, but. What was the biggest lesson that you learned after, like through your week uh, or lessons, if there was more than one? And what was your intent coming out? Yeah, you know, so Herbie, actually, the way that Herbie and I have gotten to know each other, another guy that I consider a great friend through through this and the pandemic hit. Right. And uh, I just finished my first year at Wisconsin. And, uh, you know, we were all coaches were all just, you know, freaking out in our houses. Right. Just wanting to be on the pool. And Eric Bosque actually recommended to me, he's like, well, you know, swim, all coaches want to do is talk about coaching, right? And talk about swimming. So why don't you just reach out to some sprint coaches and see if they're willing to just talk to you, right? And Herbie was the first, I think he was the first guy that I reached out to. Uh, and he answered immediately and he's like, yeah, let's do this, right? So he sent me a PowerPoint with some stuff and then we did some Zoom calls and then we just switched to phone calls and texts and just got to know each other through Hey, you like talking about sprinting. I like talking about sprinting. We're both bored, right? Let's let's uh, let's see if we can become friends, I guess. And um, it's kind of how we got to know each other. And then, you know, coming off of uh, two, I guess, two years later, uh, you know, Yuri had brought the idea to me about going out uh, and, you know, spending a week at a couple of different places. And he's like, where do you think you'd want to go? You know, floated, obviously, his connections at Cal, right? Floated that as an option. And then you guys, you yourself included, were on some, awesome relays that year right and your performances as an individual were amazing but you know a, a huge testament to what herbie you the athletes bob everybody's been able to do there and a lot of there's a lot of really good sprinting going on right so not not obviously the the rest of the events with a certain guy named leon was doing pretty damn well as the, also in his own right but you know he's seeing, right. yeah he's, he's okay seeing where those sprint relays kind of went, you know, Yuri was like, what do you think about ASU? And Herbie and I had been talking for a while about trying to get me out there and just hang out for a week. And I was like, well, Herbie already said I could stay in his house. So let's do that. <laughs> right. Uh, so it's it awesome experience to get to go see that in person. Right. And I think in general, you could see practices on the page. Right. And, but seeing how someone coaches totally different. Animal, 
right? So to be able to see what you guys were doing, some of the things that made you guys, obviously the the people involved, right, are, are a huge part of it, but kind of see some of the, the X's and O's, but also see, you know, I love the fact that you guys start pretty much every practice with doing some sort of running, jumping competition type thing, right? So, um, you know, just seeing all that and, and how lighthearted Herbie is, and, you know, he can get intense when he needs to get intense, but in general, it's working with, you know, those athletes, it's a lot of fun, right? It was, I think that's the thing I took away. A big thing was, yes, there is a huge amount of science and X's and O's and data poured into it, but it is also like, even in the hard stuff, you guys were having fun, right? Uh, and Herbie and I have talked about this, right? I think a lot of the big things were, you know, Herbie is, is revolutionary in what he's doing, right? And, and, you know, it is a lot of similar concepts to where for lack of a better term, I might have been a little bit gun shy on kind of going as far into, uh, especially the way you guys do your aerobic practices. I had been basically doing like a much smaller version of that at the time. Uh, and then to go out and see him doing it at that full capacity. And then we basically, it was one of uh, my, my fiance jokes is like, that might have been the most fun week of your life is just coaching then going back and getting food with herbie and talking about the practice and then talking about the next practice and then lifting together and coaching the next practice it was just constant like that was it you know and i was like yeah it was a lot of fun uh, so it was, it was really nice to kind of reinforce a couple of theories and ideas that i had and, and see it working at a really high level uh, it's also man that pool deck is hot as hell that <laughs> was uh, i knew arizona was hot but and i know it was only june so it wasn't even the hottest time but man i don't I don't know how you guys deal with that. Yeah, I've been trying to figure this. This year is, is the first year where I'm like questioning. I'm like, what what am I doing? What am I like? What is going on right now? Like when we I think we cranked over 110. I think it was the entire month of July this year, like 30 straight days over 110 degrees. And uh, like I think for all of our international listeners, obviously, like over 42 Celsius. Um, that was just keep it global. Gotta keep yeah. it global. Gotta keep the reach global. Um, it, it's just absurd. Yeah. And, and sometimes Herbie has this like little like laser temperature gun or whatever. And I remember it cracked me up because he was like obsessed with this the whole day. Um, I think he did it once in the morning and then at night he was trying to see if any part of the deck got up to 200 degrees. And it was like the starting block was like 160. Our black kickboard got to like 193. Um, so like almost there, but it, it gets, it gets hot. Those, those walks to the, to get the put the gear bags away or to get the gear bags, you need to make sure you have a like ice cold wa water bottle to spray your feet down in front of you, or you have your mesh bag to just drag a, a puddle of water in front of you. But yeah, it's it's nothing to joke around with. Well, you guys have obviously figured out the uh, the way to get around that, right? You know, I think uh, the facility is obviously a great facility, but it does get hot, right? And you know, yeah. there are times where it's like you you know it right being in there it's like there are times where it's like you're just cooking right it's like mm -hmm. water is, is obviously you know a lot better in the water than out but it's trying to go through a lactate set or a threshold set and really get the heat up is that's got to be taxing on the body but i will say you know you and i kind of talked about it before uh before we started rolling but um you know you were obviously i was just some actually funny enough ryan held was there mm -hmm. right and i've no i got to know ryan through his short stint at iu and then he went to alabama coley and um you know ryan the, the the running joke including usa swimming is that people get me and brayden holloway confused and, and ryan <laughs> was grabbing people on deck like, what's brayden doing here and then he got closer he's like oh it's trevor and then he gave me a hug and i'm like i don't i don't you know i guess when brayden and i stand together we're both kind of we jokingly we're like i don't see it right but um 
but you know, uh, Ryan was obviously super welcoming having a, a relationship prior, but then you were, you were chatting me up every day, right. You know, just asking, Hey, you know, what's up, what are you doing here? Who are you? Blah, 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 blah. Right. And not in an aggressive way. Right. Just as you are a very sociable guy uh, in the best way possible. Uh, just super welcoming. Right. You know, it's some guy who's kind of, you guys can look at it as like, Oh, what's this guy doing here? But instead you were like, Hey, come on in. Right. You know, and I think uh, it was an awesome experience for me. And now obviously years down the road, getting to uh, getting to hang out with you on the podcast. But we did talk about the uh, the canister of cookies that are still in. They, they made the move to Louisville, not the cookies. The cookies are long gone, but <laughs> the canister made it made it to Louisville. Yeah. Hey, I'm, I'm a man of the people. Uh, I, I take care of the, the people that I, I respect and, and care about and, and coming to coming to our home. Got to treat them right. Uh, that's how my mama raised me. So got to make sure that they're taken care of. And there's someone that I definitely resonate. If you're out there with Herbie, um, you know, nine times out of 10, there's already a, a good initial connection of this guy's, this guy's here for a good time and, and to learn and uh, upstanding guy. So, um, but yeah, no, I, I, I definitely appreciate those sentiments. I'm glad to hear that. I am a social butterfly. Um, benefits me more now than it did when I was younger. So uh, I don't get in, in trouble in the classroom anymore. My classroom is the pool. So uh definitely was really grateful to have you out there definitely grateful um you know love all my interactions with herbie it's always nice to have a, a new refreshing uplifting face there too and uh you know i mean i think the the resemblance is only going to get more hectic now that you guys are both acc schools you know you got you got the flat bill you got the the beard and now you've got the black um the black pullover hoodie like Dude, I mean, you're you're saying there's you don't you don't see it, but you're just you're just setting up everyone for 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 the fall here. I think uh, I think at least the positive here is as people have seen the U of L. I think we wear those button down those dress shirts for finals, right? So at least you know they're they're at least on the deck. People won't grab us, right, and be like, oh, sorry, wrong person, right? But yeah. the general, you know. And then I, I forgot to touch on uh, Yahia Rodman, uh, the dive coach at Wisconsin, amazing guy, great friend. Uh, another great dad, right. Seeing him interact with his kids. And he, um, you know, came to us from NC state and, uh, you know, the joke there is basically like, you know, Braden's a little bit taller than me. I'm a little bit taller than you here. And then you got you here. And it's just the amount of times that people are like, you here, no, Trevor, Braden, no, Trevor. It's like, and those two are far, obviously far more uh, established in their careers. Right. So I'm kind of the, the young guy coming in and, and looking like those two, but that is uh, the running joke he was saying is, you know, and funny enough, I was actually sitting down at a dive practice the other day and Ryan's an amazing coach here too. And, and sitting down and next to him and one of his divers on the board goes, Oh, cool. I get to work with Ryan and Yahia today. Right. And he obviously was doing it as a joke and I was like, very funny. Right. So I'm going to be <laughs> Braden, Yahia, and, and hopefully at some point I'll get to be myself too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the things that I definitely resonated with. I mean, I think, like you said, we pretty much spent every day talking in some capacity. Uh, I remember I've, vividly remember two times where I just came and we talked shop for like, and I think it was like, I was on taper or tapering for something, I think. And I got out early and I came back and we were in the back pool in bucket land. And we talked for like 45 minutes, just about physiology and stuff like that. And uh, so, I, I mean, I always had the thought in my mind that I saw like your next step is being assistant in Louisville, um, logical to me, just keep continuing to ascend into the, the higher levels of, of swimming. And kind of showing what you know showing what you know and showing what i got some insight to and you know it might be you're all oh, you a brayden lookalike or uh he is it here uh yeah 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 look alike but definitely trevor will be establishing himself by by far 
as uh, one of the premier coaches in, in all of America and all of NCAA and probably all of the, of the world as well, too. Um, I, I believe that. I have no doubt in my mind about that, especially from you know the entire week of interaction that I got with you. And then just to hear that re- reaffirmation about yourself as well, Trevor, you know, that instilling that belief, you know, having these ideas, but it's, it's hard to take those risks as a coach because you're, I mean, it's not, you don't, you don't do the training. Like you, you give it, you learn it and you educate yourself on that. But you know, it's, it's hard. You, I, I always hear it from every coach, like the most nerve wracking day is always like game day for them. And it's reassuring because they know they've done the work along the way and they've prepared well, but the thing that just grips them is they can't go do the performance. Like their performance is every day at training. And then after that, they're, they're really just a spectator, um, a spectator and a guide on that journey on, on, on race day. So I, I know how scary it can be. Um, some of my opportunities at Exos out here, training some kids and then finally getting to see them perform um, when I was just in the strength realm of things. But yeah, it's, it's, it's an empowering feeling, but also come game day and come that it's, it's, you definitely question yourself sometimes. And, and uh, along the way too, like, is this the right thing? Should I kind of play it, play it a little safe? I know this is going to work um, or at least work a little bit better, but I'm glad that you got those instilling beliefs um, while you're out here and, and watching with Herbie and that you had those, those lessons to take away and, and that it was such a good, good time. Um, I think that's, that's pretty awesome. What your fiance said about the best weeks. <laughs> um out in tempe town just going to practice talking about practice lifting with the homies and then coming back to another practice um nothing better in my mind too so i, I love that especially if it's with uh sir herb the third um no one no one better than than that to be doing it with and i think that's that's pretty incredible so that was um appreciate the insight there and hearing about that as well too uh come back anytime you're always welcome <laughs> i'll always bake i'll bake uh more cookies of course too um so hopefully they they reach the level that they were then uh but maybe change it up maybe not always chocolate chip you know got to give you a little a variety right. so well well something that you know i totally forgot about this but wanted to touch on as you were kind of saying that you know fast forward uh however many months later come october we're we're in uh tempe right i think it was late october for a dual meet right yeah yeah you know you can uh, everyone can look at the score right by no means we're, we uh we're getting getting pants beat off us a little bit right you know coming off of beating you of a or yeah, arizona the day before right and then coming up to you guys and you know it was we had some guys who had to not that would change the outcome but had some dudes who had to be on the shelf for this this reason or another and you know had a couple of decent swims here and there and we go into the last event it's a two free relay right and, you know that was uh, obviously working with the sprinters the the 50 was okay for those guys it was better the day before and going to that two free relay i think you guys held leon off of it which at the end of the year i don't, I don't think leon swam on that relay correct me if i'm wrong um and uh you know we we go down to that and i it came that both teams went in briefs in the middle of october and a hot day in the sun where everyone's pouring water on themselves and the wisconsin guys were not used to that sun at all right uh you guys did the really generous thing of putting our seating in the in the sun and you guys were over in the shade right naturally and uh and we were um we both go 118 low i think think uh, and you know it was something where you know at the time yuri looks over and you guys touch us out at the finish and yuri goes what did we go at big tens last year and i was like only point one faster than that right <laughs> and he was like so we're gonna have a good two free relay and like herbie and i obviously knowing what i was doing with those guys and knowing what he was doing with you guys <laughs> i kind of went that way we were kind of just like oh, 
might, might have a little something there. Right. And fast forward to, you know, this past season, we broke that record, I think four times, uh, you know, one, one sixteen. I mean, the program had only been under one eighteen once ever. Uh, and then to go one seventeen at mid season with some off swims and then go, I think three one sixteens after that, you know, first two guys to ever go 18 in program history on relay splits. And, you know, a lot of that was a lot of that comes from a having guys like Herbie and, you know, to talk to and bounce ideas off of, but, you know, B seeing, you know, the way you guys are training and, and implemented a lot of stuff, especially the way we kind of attack that 50 training, uh, you know, com- I wouldn't say completely overhauled, but we did a lot of things differently in, in the way we approached the 50 free this past season than we had done in years before. Yeah, I think it's it's such a big uh, testament to, to to sprint training as it's evolved over well, but guys like yourself and Herbie to really push that agenda forward. And, you know, when you go like when you go to a practice, and you see a sprinter, I mean, I, I think there's a very big like power in just watching like the swimmers. Like if you gave them, if you gave a hundred swimmers a 7,000 meter workout and then at like maybe like 60 to 70%, like nothing too high, but nothing too low. And then you just see their body language after, like you could identify the, the, at the, at the extremes, you could identify the guys who are probably the most thoroughbred sprinter individuals. And just because I feel like for sprinting, a lot of it is pretty simple. Like we overcomplicate it a lot. Um, and it's really just committing and having that that belief in what you do. Like you said, like kind of either having that confirmation from someone else or somewhere else to double down on on your beliefs and go forward with that and, and commit to that, you know, perceived risk, maybe because no one's really done it in swimming before. But when you look at track, like Herbie talks about our track coach all the time, like he and they have discussions about it. And like our track coach will come and watch the meets because like Herbie reaches out to him and like he'll provide insights. Like, like I remember he's like, yeah, why don't you guys always suit up? And Herbie's like, oh, like it's like the thing in swimming. He's like, aren't you going your fastest at that point? And he's like, yeah. And he's like, yeah, do that all the time. And it's like, okay, that's okay, simple. And then he's like, oh yeah, everyone was going really fast underwater. And he was like, yeah. And he's like, why don't you just do that all the time? And he's like, <laughs> oh, I, I guess you're right. He's like, well, there's a 15 meter rule. And he's like, yeah, just go to 15 meters every wall and you'll be the fastest swimmer. And I was like, okay, yeah, another, like, another, like, super simple. Like, we know these things, but we're like, no, we can't, like, that can't possibly be it. But where I'm ultimately getting is, like, with 50 stuff, it's not always about doing, like, don't be afraid to do, like, a thousand yard workout with technique that takes, like, an hour. Don't be afraid to do, like, 2,000, like, 3,000. Like, don't be afraid to up the intensity and mimic what you're actually going to be doing, experiencing, exposing the body to in the race, um, just by the comfort of getting more quantity and more volume all the time. And there's a place, time and place for it. Um, volume obviously being at the lower end for sprinters, like a 1500 person. But I think it's it is like about that risk um, to see and you know to have that the moment in the race, you know, where it's like, okay, well, I know, God, game like game respects game there, like. You know what we're doing. We know what you're doing there, and like kind of the sentiments, and they met matched up and and meshed pretty well there. And obviously, at the end of the season as well too, showed like what you just said, broke the record four times. Like, I think one of the big, the coolest things I've seen, and yeah, Leon like has a has a big part of it too for our team. Um, but I mean, for like our backstroke records, uh, for like myself and the freestyle records, or I am butterfly breaststroke. 
like I think last year, 2022 to 2023, I guess that would be last year, but the year before, 21 to 22, we broke the re- we broke like 64 records um, on our, in our school history and like just kind of continuously redoing it and redoing it. But a lot of them were our sprint records and relay records because we were going faster more often and exposing our bodies to that. And I think that's really what sprinting is about. It's about going faster, more often with less volume and kind of undulating the technique in between. Yeah, I think you're 100% right. And, you know, you kind of talked about it. We had 45 minute to an hour conversation about physiology, right? Just sitting on the side of the pool deck, you know? Um, and, and I think, right, you know, I touched on it and Herbie and I have talked about this before, you know, it's like the, the notion that I do think what Herbie is doing in the sport of swimming is groundbreaking, right? But if you read physiology textbooks, if you look at track, if you look at other sports, like that's the norm, that's the norm, right? So, and that was one of the things too, that I did lean on a lot of like, okay, this, this may be new to swimming and this may be theories in swimming, right? But human movement, right? It's been studied and proven and tested for quite some time at a very high level. Unfortunately, in the swimming world, there's not that much data out there because a lot of it is, you know, swim coaches hold sometimes hold their carts too close to the chest, right? Uh, so I think there is a lot to be learned from A. I think it's kind of like a, you know, once you're in there, right, and you're kind of one of those coaches at a, at a higher name school, right, they're a lot more of kind of just talking to each other and getting to know each other and, hey, what are you doing? This is what we're doing, right? But there's not really much published things out there, right? There's not really many swimming studies on, on lactate production, right? There's not very many swimming studies on simple progressive overload over time throughout a season and show where that comes into play in your event, right? I think that the best sprinting tool out there. And I think another reason that we had a great season uh, in, in the lower events there was um, due to the fact that we bought power racks and we bought four power racks and the best, you know, they're not, uh, they're not this magic answer, right? They're a tool to, to implement, to use, to get faster. Right. But what's amazing about them is they are in increments of 10 pounds. They, for those of you who don't know what a power rack is, it looks, imagine a leg extension machine and you have that plate rack right there. Instead of using it on your legs, you just tie yourself to a belt, swim 10 and a half yards. Right. And that's the, to, to me, the, you take out the uncontrolled variables, right. Everything becomes a controlled variable to a certain extent in terms of it's going to go 10 and a half every time. Right. It's going to stop you at that point. You're going to have some increment of 10 pounds. You can use the little rubber stoppers and those go into fives, uh, but you have that exact weight. Right. You can argue on a bucket that people are like, well, instead of using water, you could use plates in there. And we did that at Wisconsin this past year. But unless you're doing full 25s, the bucket is not going to be an exact stopping point. Right. So having that, you know, oh, well, go to 15 meters. Okay, well, the lane marker has moved on that lane than it is on that one. Okay, this guy went a little bit past 15. Okay, that guy cut it a little bit short. And you've used racks and buckets before, and you know, you hit 10 and a half, that thing is stopping you, right? So being able to just quantify that over time, over a season, progress that over time, it's just, it like I said, it takes out the uncontrolled variables in the sense of your resistance work. So, you know, and I think it's always it's a tool, right? And there's things that you can continue to play with it. You know, one of the things that I'm still kicking back and forth is, you know, and I think it really just depends on where you're at in season. It depends on what your goal is, right? If you're in a phase where you're working on increasing your power, increasing your strength versus your necessarily top end speed, where are you going to do racks before or after, 
the speed stuff, right? Are you going to do racks on a completely different day? How are you going to apply that, right? You know, in this past season at Wisconsin, we only had four racks and we had a group mixed of guy and girl sprinters and there was way too many people for four racks. So, you know, half the group had to go racks, then 25s fast and half the group had to go 25s fast and then racks. Right. And like I said, it really just depends on, and, and that's the thing too, right. It's kind of, nothing's going to be perfect. Right. So figuring out how, okay, we got four racks and that's great. And they're each like two grand. So I was happy that we got them. Right. But we got 14 people or 12 people, how many is that we got to get through and you only have, you know, hour and 15 practice in the afternoon, got to get through this. Right. Um, so it's, how do you get the most out of your equipment and how do you get the most out of your athletes? Right. Um, so we saw, you know, the guys wanted to do the 25s first and the rack second, and the ladies wanted to do it opposite. So we're like, all right, that's what we're going to do. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think in hindsight, probably should have programmed it a little bit better where it's like, hey, we're in a building, we're in a strength phase here, we're going to prioritize the strength output and the power output on the rack, and then we're going to work on the speed later, and then we'll flip it when we're in a phase where we've built that over time, where we have that base of the muscular endurance, the strength, and then power, right? As you know, it's can't just jump right into strength training. It's the first time you're touching, you know, any it's day one of swimming, and we're going heavy racks, right? Probably not a good <laughs> idea. Um, so, you know, progressing those things over time to build into that, to then get into your speed and knowing how you periodize that through the season. These are the things that I just love talking about and doing too much. And my fiance says at three in the morning, get off your phone and stop reading papers. And I'm like, yeah, I should probably go to bed. I got work out in three hours, but who cares? Hey, as long as you're hitting the, the, the sleep cycle interval of hour and a half, you know, 45 minute, hour and a half, like yeah, we're good. You're, you're, you're good. You're getting, you're getting the sleep cycle. Like, it's all good. It's it's basically like inter, intermittent napping at that point. Um, but I, well, as I think long as you drink enough coffee, you're fine, right? There, exactly. The the adenosine will never catch up to you. It will always <laughs> just be on on the backward. And then the weekend hits and it just slaps you in the face, and then you're good. And then you can rest. Yes. Just, you know, Saturday practice ends at like ten o'clock, and then you're just recovering till Monday morning, right? Um, you no, know, coaches coaches do it just as much as athletes do it. You heard it here first, and. I, uh, that kind of goes into a, another aspect I want to, I want to talk about, but I, before we get there, I think that's really important. Um, like what you kind of unfolded there very subtly, but very importantly, I want to make sure we pause and like kind of take note of that is, you know, the different phases that just even one modality can have of, you know, just the accumulation, capacity, strength, power, power, endurance, muscular endurance, like all those different modalities honestly are easier to actually do in my mind when you have something that is more correlated or more um, constricted in its, in its aspects, you know, like you talked about the power act, 10, 10 pound increments. Uh, and then a, just a cable system belt 10 and a half yards. And like Trevor said, when you get to 10 and a half yards, that thing is telling you, you're, you are not moving an inch farther. You are, you are lacerating your, your pelvis at that point. And I think, you know, so something that Herbie really did a lot with this year was, um, basically like just fluctuating those, the variables that you can control. So we know the tower is going to be there. We know the weights, we know the belt, we know the cable, and we know that we're going to be swinging as fast as possible on that. And so there'd be times where we do heavy, um, like two reps on that heavy nine, 10 plates for someone like Ryan, Jack Dolan, myself. And then we do like maybe a minute off and do two with two or three plates, um, much less load, lighter load, contrast that. And then coming off that, you know, do a 25, 15 meter blast, and then a 25 full sprint dive. And just that fluctuation of it, 
um, was really interesting as the athlete to, to feel the difference in the contrast and to feel that, you know, that overspeed sensation, not necessarily getting to those overspeed aspects like you would with fins or suit up like 15 meters off the blocks um, physiologically, but proprioception and, and feeling wise. And then you have the other end of the spectrum where, and this is, is this is no fun zone for, for me as the athlete, but it, it, it you feel the effects of it and it's good is Herbie would have us do anywhere. I think we got up to eight one time, but four to eight efforts on, on 30 seconds interval with maybe, I mean, it fluctuated in, in the amount of intensity of weight, but anywhere from four plates to like eight plates, never typically max out plates. Um, but four to eight reps with four to eight plates on 30 seconds. And you're just cycling through that muscular. Yeah. It's brutal. Burner. Yeah. And uh, I think like going into like 125 fast after that, just a lot of pre-fatigue, um, getting on the back end speed of a, you know, 200 with eight reps for me, four reps for guys like Ryan in the hundred, um, maybe needs to spend a little bit more time on that. Um, but it's, it's after that we're taking like, it's like 10 minutes recovery, like just yeah. do what you need to do. And then we'll do it maybe one more time, maybe two more times. And like, that's the session. Like that's, the that's session. It. And, you, and you're cooked. And you are session, you are cooked. Yeah. And the thing is that a lot of people that are, have grown up with swimming will look at that and be like, Oh, I'm not working hard enough. It's like, no, you're you, you get in there and you give out the right intensity. Your body will tell you that you are worked well beyond what you, what you thought was you were going to be and what you want to be. Um, but I, I think you touched, you touched on that a little bit in two different pieces. And, you know, and that's to me, you know, once again, we talk about it, like, if you use progressive overload and you lose very simple sciences, right? It's in general, I don't think it's that complex to make people faster, right? In theory, but you guys aren't computers, right? So it's how do you get somebody who maybe their rationale or their normal instinct isn't, I'm going to go 100% on this, but they still swim a sprint event, or even if they're, you know, you can even stretch it to the mile, right? And it's like, okay, we're doing max efforts or we're doing pace, right? And there's going to be a governor where they protect themselves a little bit, right? And they kind of live in that zone where it's, okay, I need you to go 100%. But they've never really gotten to that zone, right? And they kind of live in that zone where 85 is their 100, right? But if you're doing it only, only by saying total capacity of work, only that that effort that you just laid out and you do it twice on 10 minute rest and you're only giving 85%, you're not going to get the results you want at the end of the year, right? So, and I think that was one of the things that I tell, you know, here now talking with some of the, obviously being new here, some kids are asking me just some things about my philosophies on, on swimming and sprinting and things like that. And, you know, it's something that I sat down with everybody in the past couple of years at Wisconsin at the start of every season, you know, it's just, you know, with the sprint group, it's just, hey, when it's time to go, I need you to go, right? There probably probably be some more expletives, but I need you to go, right? There is no like, okay, I got four efforts. I'm going to protect myself for the fourth, right? It's like, or I want to have, you know, oftentimes they're looking at sets. I'm like, very rarely do we use the word best average, right? I'm like, go as fast as you can. I'll let you rest and then go as fast as you can again. Right. That is the, the idea of if we don't break that, like if you're just operating at 90 percent all day long, all year for years and years of swimming, because whether you haven't gotten the appropriate rest interval, you haven't been talked to about how to get to that point, And it's not comfortable. You know it. Right. It's not comfortable to go, OK, I need you to go legitimately all out. And there were some days where 
they didn't know, you know, at Wisconsin, they didn't know what was coming next, right? There were days where I was like, hey, we're going to warm, we're going to do our warm up. I'm going to give you some time to take care of whatever extra stuff you need to do. This is the event profile we're getting ready for. This is the type of, of, ex, of uh, event we're working on, right? Do a little bit of your meat prep for the 100 pressure or the or 50 free, whatever it was that day, right? And just be ready to go at this time. And all you need to know is you're doing this. You're, do, you're doing this sort of training, right? You're doing this sort of event profile, right? And we might go 50 fast and then be like, all right, go, go swim 200 easy. And we'll come back and be like, you're going a 75 fast. Or when they're like, what? Or we're going 425s on a minute or whatever it was. But it was just like, or if they all just absolutely crushed the first one, I'd be like, okay, we're done. Like, you guys, you guys did it. Like, we're done. We're going to warm down. Right. So it's not having that. What's next? What's next? What's next? It's just, hey, we're doing 425s on two minutes. Just give me all out for 425s on two minutes. And if you guys do this well, we'll warm down and we'll pack it in. Right. So it's that notion of not being concerned with. Now, granted, that's if you're doing certain sets and you're like, I don't care what's next, but you're doing a threshold set or you are doing a best average set. Right. It's not going to fly right? There's a time and a place for that kind of vocabulary. There's a time and a place for that kind of mindset, right? If you're, you know, if you're doing 800s, you know, repeat eights or repeat fours or whatever it is, and you go guns blazing on the first one, it's not going to go well for you, right? So, you know, obviously the caveat of time and a place for that kind of intent. Yeah, no, I think that's, I think that's awesome. I mean, if I got that session as an athlete, I'd be like, That'd be my gold standard day. I love that. I love the aspect that you give them. I, I'm a big theme person. I always ask like, what's the, I don't, I don't need to know every detail of the practice. And Herbie does a good job of this. Um, and some of my coaches in high school did a good job of this too, is I was like, what, like, is it speed? Is it powers and like endurance? Like what are, what's coming down the pipeline? And it'd just be like, yeah, power practice. Okay. I, I'm good on that. Like giving the athlete, the, basically the cue of like, Hey, get in, meet warm up. You're going to get ready for like 200, 200 breaststroke stuff later. Like, okay, got it. We're going to get ready for 50 breaststroke. That's going to be different for me. And if you say like, well, it's a meat warm up, it should be the same. Like then it's, you're not, you're not doing a meat warm up right. You're doing a, yeah. you're doing a cookie cutter outline that you've been programmed to do and you're not thinking and, and controlling yourself and the things that you can actually, you know, impact in your life rather than in your career and your performance rather than just like, Oh, I need to do like 200, the skip skips, like 200 swim, kick, I am pool swim. Like that's my meat warm up. It's like, no, like today, like kind of requires you to do something different. Like maybe you're not swimming until like after in the college dual meet, like maybe you're not swimming until after the break. Like that's going to be, that's going to dictate a much different when you're going to warm up and how you're going to warm up. than if I was the first two events, which I normally always was relay then for 200 freestyle, like, I have to make sure I'm warming up early, change and ready to race. I'm not going to warm up the last five minutes of warm up and then be like sprinting to the block to get to like be ready. I'm going to be prepared and other guys in the later end of the the meet can warm up later. And it's just how it goes. But I, I like how you did that where you don't tell them like exactly how it's going. Um, we kind of do something similar here at ASU sometimes, uh, but they, they always like kind of lay out the event order. But I, I like that aspect. They, you're talking about, about just giving the general idea, not exactly what you're going to do and just making sure everyone's, you know, maximizing. And by maximizing that moment, that's really optimal and optimizing their performance too. So they're not saving anything for later. 
and they don't really know what they even if they were trying to they don't they don't know what they are and if they do save save themselves and they get in that situation where it's like all right we're gonna do 75 or 50 and it's like oh no we did we did stimulus was achieved we went fast enough it's like oh shoot i didn't it's like basically the perfect reward system negative feedback of like the athlete experiences like i didn't give my 100 percent best effort and I want to make sure that doesn't happen next time. So next time you do it, they're like, all right, I got to go. And then that's probably the time where you're like, all right, we're going to do three 200s or something. Yeah, like that. It's like, it's like oh, oh, man, well, now they saw it coming, right? Yeah. But then sometimes it is kind of like, okay, well, if they saw it coming and they did it, right? You know, and obviously it was, you can, you can only use that cookie so often, right? Yeah. Um, you know, what, when I think one of the things that I, you know, we had a pretty good summer um, this past year, right? And, I, you know, had, um, especially 53 had guy go 22 one, uh, you know, dropped from like 23, two, I think in a year had a guy go 22 five. Right. So pretty good summer for those guys. Um, you know, hit a lot of, had a couple of trials cuts for guys that were way off prior. Right. Um, big, big swim for big summer for those guys. Um, and I did what I started calling temperature check, which was, you know, I would write, Warm up, and they, you know, they kind of knew the ebbs and flows, and we we wouldn't do this every day, but especially on our suited days or our, or our quality days in general, um, you know, I'd write a warm up, we'd go through the warm up, they would usually know the main set, and I'd be like, all right, you know, thousand to fifteen hundred into whatever the warm up was, be like temperature check, are you guys ready to go or or not? And I always told them it's like the answer, you don't look, don't look at your friends, don't ask them what they were gonna say, just answer the question, are you ready to go? And if mm. we're not ready to go, go do what you got to do, right? And if the resounding answer is everybody's ready to go, and if I had some more warm-up written in there, I'd be like, all right, if you guys are ready to go and we don't need to do the extra piece of warm-up, this mm. first round better go well, right? And yeah. if they're like, you know, they there are times where we did the whole thing that I wrote, and I was like, yeah, they're going to be ready to go. And they weren't. And I'm like, okay, here's 10 more minutes. Go do what you got to do, right? Because I think it's, you know, I'm not – every person is so different, right? They're just so different. And, you know, we're, we're writing for a group that we're trying to catch everybody. Right. But it's like, there's a reason that when we go to a meet, everybody doesn't do the exact same warm up from the second we get to the pool to the second they start the race. Right. So, you know, I would rather have it where, okay, get yourself ready to go. Um, and they grew into being able to handle that a lot better instead of, you know, there's room for goofing around on deck, right? But eventually it's like, you got to get in the pool. Uh, but, you know, it was a lot of like, okay, I need to go. Maybe we, we didn't do as much resistance setup as somebody wanted, or maybe we didn't do enough aerobic as somebody wanted, right? So it was a lot of just go do what you need to do. I'll see you in 10 minutes. This is the main set. This is when we're starting. Let's have that. And I'd rather do that than have the first round of the set just not go well, right? It's like we, we, we have a finite amount of time in the pool, right? We have a, you know super philosophical right we have finite time in, in the sport and then even other levels we have finite time on this planet right so or use you use your time wisely right and my fiance would say use your time spending more time away from work but, <laughs> but that's uh that's different different opinions fair enough fair enough. i think that's i think that's very you know like you said on bigger scales too like super important um as athletes and coaches and um really like a great transition into what I want to ask kind of what I've gotten like a little like hint at a couple of times listening to you talk is, you know, there's a lot of aspects of overtraining for athletes under recovery for athletes, um, you know, fatigue with athletes, but for a coach, like listening to your, like your journey, like living out of the back of your 
your truck and like living in basements, doing odd jobs here and there, like the camp schedule, like college practice, camp, college afternoon, camp in the, at night. And then just doing that, like, how do you, like, especially for co coaches that are as eager as yourself and that are, I, I would say younger in the grand scheme of things and um, that ultimate timeline, uh, how do you, how do you balance like that, that burnout aspect? How do you balance that? Like to be able to be on at practice and to be off when you're away, or if, even if it's not off while you're away, just being able to maximize and optimize the time that you're on deck so that those two hours, you're the best coach you can be for the athletes. Like what are you doing as, as for yourself to, to make sure that that happens? Yeah. You know, that's a great question. Right. And, and ironically enough, a few months back, Yuri and I actually talked about that. Right. Um, and it's something that I'm not phenomenal at. Right. I think a lot of people at this, this profession at this, I won't say at this levels in anything I've done, but at the, you know, the higher end of the power five level, right. Uh, they're, they're not great at, and it's part of the reasons why they get to that point. Um, but I think personally having some sort of athletic and competitive outlet away from coaching is huge because a lot of us kind of get our dopamine rush and our competitive drive out in our job. But, you know, I picked up boxing for a little bit and that was awesome. Uh, got my butt kicked a bunch was not great. Um, but, you know, it was also really rewarding because I was part of a team and had a coach and, you know, she was trying to get me to do something properly and I couldn't pick it up and I was getting frustrated and she was getting frustrated, but I was on the receiving end of not being able to figure out a drill for the first time in eight years. So it was, you know, I definitely, hopefully I got better as a boxer that day, but I know for a fact I got better as a coach that day, uh, you know, and, and I think it's finding, at least for me, the huge change I've referenced her a couple of times, but you know, my fiance and Morgan, she, she makes me have a social life. <laughs> there is, uh, she, she makes me have life away from this. So it's finding a, you know, if you are someone who, who wants to be in a relationship, finding someone who, you know, can take you away from it for a hot second. Like tonight we're going out to sushi and I'm going to leave my work phone mm -hmm. at home and that is not going to, not going to look at it. We're just going to have our dinner. Right. So it's having someone like that for me, at least who can kind of ground me and remind me, you know, I think there's, you touched on it earlier, like, coaches get super nervous at meets. Right. And, you know, there was, um, there was a point, I don't remember when I first did this, but, you know, cause we all get nervous. Right. And I think that the most nerve wracking, I think of every year is, I think it's the, for a sprint coach, at least it's right before the 200 medley at NCAAs. That is, you know, that, cause you, you want to, you want to think like, you know, what's going to happen, but you don't, right. No matter what you just don't, right. You can do all the testing and the data and the reps and the, the stingers and everything to be like, all right, I know the outcome, right? You can have a general idea, right? But someone takes off early, right? Someone kicks past 15, right? Somebody jams a turn, right? Or at least, you know, in this case at NCAAs this past season, Cal Bears thought 113 was going to be fast enough to win. And, you know, it took Florida went and won the two free relay, right? Or, you know, anybody, uh, anybody in that 200 medley heat seeing NC State going 120. Right. You know, it's, you think you have these things and it's just that sport and you don't know what's going to happen. And, you know, I don't remember what meet it was, but I think it might've actually been a time trial. I think oddly enough, I think it was a time trial at sectionals two years ago <laughs> and um, texted my fiance and it's some stupid remark and, and before the race. And, and I go, well, 
are the dogs still going to love me if the swim doesn't go well? And she's like, of course. And I'm like, then we're good. Right. Like then, then we're good. Right. So then I put the phone down, swim goes great. And, and, you know, whenever I stress out at meets, I'll usually shoot a text, something along those lines, and then I'll get a photo of the two dogs. Right. So it's having that balance. I think for me personally, it was finding somebody that, that was a perfect fit for me and, and love her to death. But then also, you know, this past year we had uh, a volunteer, uh, Mike White, he's down in Alabama now. Uh, you know, Mike is my best man at my wedding. So it's a little bit of a more personal connection there. Swam together at St. Bonaventure, but, you know, having somebody to lift with all the time right now, yeah. instead of just lifting by myself, right. Having somebody to have that where, you know, a lot of times I was on my phone during the workout, texting recruits, doing practice stuff, things like that. But now it's like, no, now we're pushing each other really hard and I really need to be like in this moment. So I think for all of us, uh, that's a, probably a cue for, uh, as a general thing, swim coaches, as they get older, you know, on average, we're not in the greatest shape, right? So staying active, finding an athletic outlet, I think is is a big thing. I know Steph, we've talked about her. She plays a lot of tennis and can definitely kick my ass. I, I started playing tennis recently and I'm terrible at it. So that was not a missed calling of mine. You, uh, what about pickleball? What about pickleball? God, man, if I'm playing tennis, I got to imagine pickleball is easier. I haven't picked it up, but I got to imagine it's easier than tennis. You, so. you got to get there before Steph and then and then show her show her what's going she'll, on pickleball court. She'll probably still beat me in that, too. But you got to get like you got to get like 10 sessions in and then on the first <laughs> one, just demolish her, crush her morale before she just goes on this training arc of being the best pickleball player. Then. Right. And, and she would. Right? She definitely yeah. would. So, um, no, that, that, that's awesome sentiments on. On burnout, I think a lot of a lot of coaches would would uh, benefit from hearing that. And so, you know, to go on to that sentiment too, we're gonna take a step away from the swimming stuff. Let's take a step away from that. We're gonna go into our favorite fan segments, favorite segments of the podcast. We're gonna get some lane line ratings. We're gonna get some hot takes. We're gonna get some you like that's. Uh, so, Trevor, let's have you start us off with some lane line ratings. You had some interesting thoughts on this beforehand, and uh, chop it up how how you like. Yeah, so I thought, and my computer's dying, so hopefully we don't have to do a part two. But um, uh, of course, I didn't bring my wire into this room. So I thought it'd be cool to do the relays uh, across the NCAA and the FINA format and the Olympic format. And obviously, we don't need to double up on the, yes, the Ford Freeze swum at the Olympics and FINA Worlds, right? Or World Aquatic Worlds or whatever they're going to call that now. Yeah. Um, but, you know, give a, an honest lane rating, right? You know, and I think uh, we kind of touched on it a little bit beforehand. There's some relays that anybody who knows me knows the ones that are going to get some really great scores uh, and then some that aren't going to get some great scores. So we'll start off with with the NCAA. Uh, we won't go in the, uh, I guess uh, we, we'll go in just uh, an order that makes sense, right? So we'll start off with the two free relay. Uh, and I'm going to go, that's, that's going to be a 9-0 nine, nine for me. That's going to be a 9, I'll give it a 9-2, nine, 9-2. Two, nine, two. Yeah, I'll go. I'll go uh, eight nine. I'll go eight nine. I don't want to start too high, but I. I mean, it's an electric event. It's fun. Yeah. Every, every, it's 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 the splash and dash coliseum event. Love yeah. it. Uh, with the four free relay, uh, you know, it's hard for me to uh, the placement of it in the or the order of the meet. I think you know it's not as fast as it would be, right? Being the last event. But it is kind of when a meet comes down to that, it's crazy good, right? But taking that away from it and just comparing the event to the event, uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go on. I'll go on eight point five. I mean, eight point five on the floor for me. Okay, if we're taking the grand finale away, good sentiment to, to bring up. I'm glad. I'm glad we're putting those parameters. Yeah. I'll go like eight eight point one. 
I'll, I'll say be honest with that. Maybe even a seven nine some days. Um, dual dual meets definitely like a seven one for the four by yeah, one. That gets but, rough. That gets paid. Yeah, I'll say eight point one. Um, and then uh, the eight free relay. Uh, I think for me, you know, it's still it's still an when it's good, it's good. I think when it's good, it's great, yeah. right? Like when those relays are, are rocking, and but you got a good race in an eight free yards. I mean, that is that is pretty cool. When it's not rocking, it ain't great. You know, when people aren't going one twenty nine, right? It ain't that great, right? So you know, I'll, I'll give it a solid seven seven. Yeah, I'll say I'll say peak four by two being a two hundred guy. I love I love that, uh, especially long course like nine point seven for me. But on a on like a on like a basis. There's a lot of blowouts in those, so I'll go yeah. like seven point seven. Yeah, it's just the when when you got people just so far away from each other. It's just, I think yeah. like, when it's good, it's great. When it's bad, it's not I will, so much. Yep, I will agree to that one wholeheartedly. And we'll go the two medley relay. Uh, that's gonna be that's gonna be the ten o for me. That's the number one. That's that's the peak. That is the you know taking the the position of it out. But even if you add the positioning of it into the meet, we talked about it, like that is. That's the best one. You got a 50 of each stroke. Now, granted, three out of or most of them are done underwater now, but that is the that is just that that's got to be it for me. And, and granted, I my best event, weirdly enough, I was I was lucky enough to swim on a 200 medley relay in high school with a guy who was fast as heck, and uh, he was the backstroker for us. So I always looked real good because he just gave us the lead, and I didn't lose the lead. So there's a lot nice. of personal value to that, but also just coaching it, watching it, two medley. Relays. Yeah, I'll, I'll echo the same on that one. Just an electric event. Uh, I always got, it always just happens so quickly, quicker than any event for me. Um, and nine, nine, five, nine, five, I'll agree. Exciting. The four medley, four medley. I'm going to go, it's, you know, it's better, better than the eight. Uh, I don't know if it's better than the four free. I don't remember what I gave the four free. It was an eight something. So I'll give, uh, I'll give the four med an eight, an eight one. I'll give it an eight one. Yeah, I'll go with eight five on that. Kind of the 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 tier below the two medley. Um, I think like a really fast time is honestly more exciting than seeing a, a really tight race in that event. Yeah. Um, interesting enough, I don't know why necessarily, but I just love seeing a fast time in that event more than a race. I think also too, it's like that race. I think almost has a little bit more of that. Like splits are almost to me more impressive within that. Like seeing Leon go like forty nine, right? Like that. Was, yes. Like I think, or you know, uh, Luke Orlando going at the time, or he might still have it. The NCAA record leading off. Uh, yeah, still does. Exactly, right, like those, those. I think those individual splits within the race are almost sometimes more impressive. Uh, Very much so. I agree. I agree. I guess we can we can shift over to the Olympic format, right? But the uh, the four free relay long course, I mean. You know, we can give a little history of that. The 2008 relay is going to going to help that one. That's going to be the best long course race, right? That's the the four re, four free relay is going to be the best long course one. I don't, you know, uh, if we're putting it on its own separate scale, it would get probably a 10-0, right? But if we're doing total scale and count the other ones in there too, I'd give it a nine five nine five nine seven. Yeah, I mean, it's just the slam dunk. I mean, I think 2008 has forever changed every swimmer's opinion of it. But I haven't done a long course relay in forever. It feels like so. I it's love true. them. I love yeah. them. I think college swimming athletes need to do more relays long course, but I'll, I'll, I'll give the same ratings on those. I think the uh, probably the long course relays as a whole might get a little bit of a, a bump down because it's like, they just don't, people don't do them. Right. Yeah. They just, they're not that often. Right. So I think they might get a little bit of a, a negative one or ne negative half on, on kind of in general, just by not being frequented. The long course eight free. I was getting like a six for me. That one's 
I was uh, getting like a six, six, nine. Fair enough. Again, I think it's the, the bad is bad. The good is really good. I think one of the best races in history is, uh, I think it was the 2000 or I, I think it was the 2000 with Cleet Keller. Um, name did not age well, but Cleet Keller four by two um, for Team USA. So, but yeah, I'll give it like 8.8. There's always some anxiety Ooh, of having to do another. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, I love you it. Have your I'm, bias of being in it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm in it. That's the event that I'm, I'm making. Yeah. Uh, Four medley long course. Um, that one, that's going to be a little bit American bias, right? And I think, you know, at least for me in my brain, it's echoing uh, in 2016 when Phelps dives in and Rowdy's talking about for the last time, right? And he dives in and, and puts the Americans in the lead. And that was like the four med of having, you know, as an American, that's going to be up there for me. That's probably going to be like a, that's going to be like a 9-3. I mean, a 9-3. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely enjoy watching the medley again. I think you see some of the best swimmers in the world come together for one event so much. So I'll go nine nine four for me. The uh, the mixed four medley relay. Uh, I'm going to give that one. I'm going to give that one a – I give it a two. Give it a two, 2.0. Dang, I thought mine was going to be low with a 4.3. I'm not a I'm not a fan of it. I'm kind of mad that they added that one over four by fifty for like same yeah. gender relays. So that one is that's a two for me. We talked about the eight free relay getting all too far apart and stuff, and Ooh. you know the sentiment is there, but it's just they're not doing it for me. Uh, and then the uh, the mixed four free, I'll give it a little bit better. Uh, better, I'll give it a three three uh, because the freestyle obviously the windows just you know it's just a little bit tighter, right? You don't have the yeah. world record in the breaststroke being 104 versus a 56, right? You know, it's still a big gap, but, you know, it's just a little bit tighter. So still not a fan of either one, but I'll give it a little bit better grade. Yeah, I'll keep mine in the four realm. I'll go four eight. Not much of a bigger bump for me. Um, just makes me want to see a four by 50 free or medley even more. So exactly. You think of that more now. I found out that you're a Kirk Cousins Kirk Cousins super fan, basically. You basically admitted on the on before we got on. <laughs> So we're going to hop right into the you like that. 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 My you like that straightforward. NFL football's back. Uh, we had the Thursday night game last night. Detroit Lions upset the Chiefs. Um, Detroit just making an electric start to the season. Basically overhauled their entire their entire team. Dan Campbell is the man. Went for it. Second series, second drive of the season. Fake punt. Dude, you have my vote. I am running through a wall for that man. I think, uh, you know, I was watching it the other night with uh, with Morgan, and she was, you know, I think it was the start of the game, and she's like, uh, Dan Campbell's walking on screen, and she's like, I want him to win. And I'm like, well, the NFL marketing team has done a good job then because they want the Lions to win too. So I was like, and she loves she loves football. She's not like, a, hey, I like the color stuff, right? You know, but um, she loves football, um, loves sports in general. But she, uh, you know, I was like, yeah, they're doing a good job. Um, I think uh, my my you like that right now. I'll get I get two. You know, my you like that right now on a personal standpoint. Um, a little cheesy but we have a house now with a fenced in yard for our dogs so being able to just we got like this little magnet uh, door and just walking outside like with a cup of coffee and just seeing the dogs just have the time of their lives and, and how happy that's made them from just you know 
just open the door. We leave the door open and they just go in and out the back door. That is, you like that for me. That's a little, little sappy sentimental thing that I, I come from. They're just going in and out. Uh, and then the other one from a little bit more of a professional standpoint, um, the atmosphere on this team, I haven't touched too much on the U of L only being here for such a short time, but the, you know, people use the word culture all the time. So I'm not going to use that, right. The atmosphere, the environment, dude, it is a party on deck every day. That yeah. is, you know, I'm, I'm a relatively loud person and I'm finding, you know, that struggle to be loud enough over the music and, and, you know, be a, a, a very vocal, loud guy. Uh, so it is just, the energy is awesome. And I, you know, I've always said it in general. I think I, you know, every day I wake up happy because I get to go do a crazy, awesome job. Uh, but here, especially it's the, that's, you know, you like that. I'm, I'm loving being, being a U of L card. That's awesome. As an athlete, I'm sure that bodes well and, and keeps the practices energetic. And to finish off, what's your hot take, Trevor? Give it give it to us before yeah. you go. My hot take, I think we we might need to have to do a second episode just to talk about the hot take, but it's going to be, and, and I, we can leave it off on a cliffhanger. I think we are just now entering, and I could have more data to show it, the golden age of sprinting in the NCAA and in long course. And there is plenty of data to show that we're just getting there. That, that bodes a lot. You know, we got we got to cover some more Vikings talk later in the NFL <laughs> season. I, I love where that cliffhanger is going to go. My hot take is the Chiefs aren't making the playoffs. Uh, they're going to make. You said aren't? Aren't? Are not? No, they're going to. Are not? Hey, they're they're hot takes for a reason. I didn't yeah. make the rules. I just I just play by them. We will definitely be having more episodes in the future, folks. Uh, leave you that little little teaser and cliffhanger, but. Trevor, it's been great connecting with you. Appreciate this. This will last a couple couple drives to and from the pool for, for the listeners, uh, just like Maddie Martins. So I'd expect nothing less, but appreciate you immensely. Thank you all for listening. Uh, follow Trevor and follow UofL Swimming on yep. socials. Um, where can they follow you, Trevor? I think I only got an Instagram. I think it's Coach Maida. I think it's pretty simple. Uh, so just, you know, last name, M-A-I-D-A. I got I, you know, I've been told I got to up my Instagram game. So I got, uh, I got a lot of photos of dogs and, and fiance. So got to put more swimming content out there, but Grant, this was awesome, man. Thanks for having me. Um, looking forward to, to getting to talk to you again sometime soon. Yeah. Thanks everyone for listening. Enjoy the rest of your day and live life daily. Ooh.